0: Welcome to the Crow's Nest Horror Podcast, a podcast dedicated to bringing you nightmares through the horrifying stories written by people just like you. These stories can be found in multiple places, such as the Creepypasta, Wikia, and Reddit. This and all episodes of this podcast may contain depictions of extreme violence, explicit language, and content that may be unsettling for some viewers. Viewer discretion is advised now. My dearest fledglings and full-growns, it is roosting time. It's official. I'm an old man. For the last couple of years, I've comforted myself by saying I'm in my early 70s. But math is simple and unforgiving. Today is my 75th birthday, and God, tears do fly. I'm not here for your well wishes. This is hardly a milestone I'm excited about. I'm glad to still be here, of course. But I find I have less and less to live for with every passing year. My bones ache. My kids live far away. And the other side of my bed has been empty for just over eight months now in fact once I cast my vote against that goddamn Trump this November I may have nothing to live for at all so spare me your happy birthdays and your congratulations if you please I'm here because I have a story for you and it's one I've never told before I used to think I kept it inside because it was silly or maybe because no one would have believed it I found though that the older you grow the more exhausting it becomes to lie to yourself. If I'm being perfectly honest, I've never told anybody about this story because it scares me, (laughs) almost to death. But death seems friendlier than it used to. So listen close. Dear was 1950, the settling of a small town in Maine. I was a boy of nine, rather small for my age, with only one friend in the world to speak of, and his family, seemingly on a whim, decided to move 2,000 miles away. It was shaping up to be the worst summer of my life. My pop wasn't around and my mom was a chore whore. Boy, I was proud of myself when I came up with that one, so I wasn't apt hanging around the house. With some hesitation, I decided the public library was the place to be that summer. The library's collection of books, particularly children's books, was meager to say the least within the walls of that miserly structure, I would find no undone chores, no nagging mother, God rest her soul, and perhaps most importantly, no other children with whom I would be expected to associate. I was the only kid with a low enough social status to spend his precious days of freedom sulking amid the bookshelves, and that was just fine with me. The first half of my summer was even more dreadful than I had imagined it would be. I would sleep in until 10, do my chores, and then ride my bike to the library. And by bike, I mean rusty log of shit attached to a pair of wheels. Once there, I would split my time between unintentionally annoying the elderly patrons and deliberately doing so. One pleasant lady actually interrupted my incessant tongue clicking to hiss a shut the fuck up at me. The first time I had ever heard a grown up use the F word big fucking deal. I know, but those days it was unheard of. The dreary days turned to woeful weeks. I had actually begun praying for school to start again, until I discovered the basement. I could have sworn I roamed every inch of that library, but one day, in the far corner behind the foreign language collection, I stumbled across a small wooden door I had never seen before. That's where it all began. The door was windowless and made from oak that looked far older than the wall on which it rested. It had a knob of black metal that quite literally looked ancient. I wouldn't have been surprised to learn it was crafted in the 17th century. Engraved on the knob was what appeared to be a single footprint. I had the sense that whatever lay beyond the store was forbidden to me, and therefore probably the most interesting thing I would encounter all summer. I quickly glanced around to make sure no one was watching me, and then turned the heavy knob, slipped behind the door, and shut it. There was nothing, only darkness. I took a couple of steps and then stopped, unnerved by the totality of the shadow which surrounded me. I waved my hands in front of me in an attempt to find a wall or shelf or anything to hold on to. What I actually found was far more subtle. A small string dangling from above but far more useful. I grabbed at it firmly and pulled it down. Back in the day, lots of light bulbs were operated with strings, and this was one of them. My surroundings were instantly illuminated. I was standing on a small, dusty platform that looked as though it hadn't seen life in quite some time. To my left was a crickety-ass spiral staircase, made of wood and appearing ready to collapse at any second. The bulb was the only source of light in the room, and it was feeble. So when I peered over the railing to see what lay below, the bottom of the staircase dissolved into darkness. I was beginning to feel scared. This place, wherever I was, seemed to have no business in a town library. It was as though I were in a completely different building. No nine-year-old likes to let a mystery go unsolved. Looking back, I wish I could tell my prepubescent self to turn around, go back, do anything else besides descending that staircase. You'll be spared a lot of sleepless nights, I'd say. But of course, I didn't know that then, and I may not have listened even if I had. So instead of turning back, I took a deep breath, gripped the railing, and glared resolutely forward as I began my descent. The wood on the railing was dry and covered with splinters. I immediately let go, holding my hands out for balance as I carefully traversed the staircase. It was, or at least seemed, very long, With only the dim glow from the string bulb far above me, my heart pounded mercilessly in the darkness. Even kids can sense when something isn't right, I think they just don't always give a shit. By the time my feet reached the cement floor at the bottom, and the light bulb above was very nearly a memory, there was a new light source, and God, I'll never forget it. Directly in front of me was a door, massive, and a deep shade of red. The light was coming from behind the door, and it shone out in thin lines from all four sides. A sinister, dimly glowing rectangle. For the second time, I took a deep breath and went through a door I really shouldn't have. In contrast to the dank room I entered from, the room behind the door was blinding. When my eyes adjusted, what I saw nearly took my breath away. It was a library. The most perfect library imaginable. I gaped in wonder as I stepped almost reverently further into the room. It was beautiful. It was smaller than the library above. Much smaller, but it seemed to be almost tailor-made for me. The shelves were packed with brightly colored titles. Both armchairs in the middle of the room were exquisitely comfortable, and the smell, my god, the smell was simply unbelievable. Sort of a mixture of citrus and pine. I simply can't do it justice with words, so I'll suffice to say that I've never smelled anything better, not in my 75 years. What was this room? Why had I never heard of it before? Why was nobody else here? Those are the questions I should have been asking, but I was intoxicated. As I gazed around at all the books, in the smell of paradise, I could only form one thought, I will never be bored again. And truth only hid from me for three years. It was on my 12th birthday, 63 years ago to this day, that everything changed. Before that day, I visited my basement sanctuary as often as I could, usually several times a week. I never saw another soul down there yet strangely remained free of suspicion. I never removed a book from that room, but instead would pick up a particular volume wherever I had stopped reading during my previous visits. I sat, always in the same deep purple armchair, and always leaving its twin barren and directly across from myself. That armchair was mine. The other was, well, I suppose I couldn't have articulated it much better than I can now, but it wasn't mine that's for damn sure on my 12th birthday i arrived later than usual my mom had invited a couple classmates and some cousins over to our house to celebrate a gesture which i found more tedious than touching really i just wanted to spend my birthday sitting and reading and smelling paradise eventually our guests went home and i made it to the library about 15 minutes before closing time that didn't matter The workers never checked down there before they locked up. I was free to stay as late as I wished. This particular night, I was devouring the final chapters of an epic adventure, knights, swords, dragons, and the like. I didn't smell it until I read the final words and closed the book. The once exquisite aroma that that room had had turned sour. I sat for a moment, unsettled. Objectively, I could recognize that the smell was actually the same as it had been before. That the mixture of citrus and pine... I just perceived it differently, and I didn't like it anymore. It was the nasal version of an optical illusion, you know. The one that looks like a young woman glancing backwards, but all of a sudden you see that it was really an old woman facing towards you. You can't unsee that. I couldn't unsmell this the spell was broken. The odor also seemed, for the first time, to be coming from somewhere specific. With a fair amount of trepidation, I stalked around the room, sniffing the air like a crazed canine, until I came to a shelf near the back. The shelf was perfectly normal, with the exception of one title, a large, leather-bound cover of solid, faded maroon with one striking black footprint at the top of the spine. This was the source of the smell. I opened the front cover and saw one sentence, scrawled neatly in blood-red ink atop the first page.
1: Rest your sorrows down, friend, and leave them where they lie.
0: I stared at the sentence, mesmerized, as I began to retreat to my chair. I turned a page, blank. The smell became stronger, another page, blank, and the smell grew stronger still. I stopped for a moment, suppressed a gag, and continued walking. Then as I neared the armchairs, I turned one final page, and there, in the same sinister print, was the last thing I expected to see, my own name. I dropped the book, I began to sprint towards the door, but as I shifted my gaze forward, my heart leapt to my throat, and I stopped in my tracks. The empty chair wasn't empty anymore. An aged man in a suit sat before me. One leg crossed over the other, contemplating me with piercing gray eyes and a light smirk. This was all too much. I fell to my knees and expelled the contents of my stomach onto the carpet. I wiped my mouth, staring at my vomit. Then I heard the man let out a chuckle. I stared at him disbelievingly. Who are you? I asked, panic in my voice. The man leapt to his feet, grabbed me gently by the shoulders, and helped me to my chair. He sat once again in his own.
1: I fear we have gotten off to a bad start,
0: he said, glancing at the pile of sick on the carpet.
1: The smell, it does does take some getting used to you i repeated tonight you will know hardship like you've never known before he said i come as a friend offering you refuge from it and from all other storms which lie ahead
0: i wanted nothing more than to leave at that moment but i remained seated i asked him what he was talking about
1: your mother is dead my boy by her own hand in her kitchen the scene is gruesome i must admit
0: he said in sorrowful tones but there was a playful glint in his eye surely you wish to
1: avoid this path i can show you a safer one
0: my blood ran cold at the horrors this man spoke of but i did not believe him what do you want with me i demanded trying to sound braver than i felt he laughed an old, raspy yelp that seemed to shake him to his bones.
1: "'Nothing but your friendship, dear boy,' he said.
0: Then, sensing I found his answer inadequate, he expounded.
1: "'I want you to come on a journey with me. My work is noble, and you will make a fine apprentice. And maybe, when I'm done,' he sighed tiredly.
0: running his bony fingers through his thin white hair.
1: Maybe then, my work can be yours.
0: I stood up shuffling towards the door, but never breaking his gaze. You're crazy, I told him. My mom isn't dead, she's not. See for yourself if you must, he said, gesturing towards the door. I threw him a contemptuous glare and bolted for the exit. As my hand closed around the knob, he said my name softly. In spite of myself, I turned around.
1: Your road won't be easy, friend. If it ever becomes too much for you, and I mean ever, he said,
0: pausing to sweep his hand over the room.
1: You know where to find me.
0: I slammed the door behind me and took the decrepit stairs to it at a time. I exited the library, clambered onto my bike, and hightailed it home. The front door was wide open. I dismounted, leaving my bike in a heap on the ground, and approached the house cautiously. The old man was lying. He must have been. Still, tears began to sting my eyes. Heart pounding, I stepped inside and called for my mother. I heard no answer, so I turned to the kitchen. To this day, I don't know why she did it. I've lived in that small town in Maine my entire life. Oh, I've kept mostly clear of the public library. Once in my late 20s, I summoned the courage to step inside. Life was good at that time, and my fear had begun to morph into idle curiosity. Where the door to my basement sanctuary once stood was only a blank wall. I asked the librarian what had become of the basement, though in my heart I knew the answer. There was no basement, she said. There had never been a basement. In fact, if she had her facts correctly, city zoning ordinances prohibited a basement in the area. I've been so haunted by that sickly sweet smell, that poisonous blend of citrus and pine, ever since that long-ago birthday. When I saw my mother in the kitchen that day, collapsed in a pool of her own blood, I smelled it. When a man claiming to be my father knocked on my college apartment door, begged me for money and beat me within an inch of my life when I refused I smelled it. When my wife miscarried our second child I smelled it and again when she miscarried our fourth when our oldest son got behind the wheel of a family Buick completely shitfaced, and got his girlfriend killed I smelled it. I began to smell it periodically as my wife became sick She died late last year, and now, I'm alone for the first time in more than half a century. Now, I smell it every day, and it feels like an invitation. A few months ago, I went back to the library, and the small oak door with the ancient handle was there, right where it used to be. My evening walk has brought me past that library every day since but I haven't gone inside. Maybe tonight I will. I'm frightened to die, yes. But lately, I'm even more frightened to keep living. The old man was right. My road hasn't been easy, and I doubt it will get any easier.
1: Rest your sorrows down, friend, and leave them where they lie.
0: He promised relief. A refuge, he said. Was he right about that, too? There's only one way to find out. After all, I still know where to find him. Today's story was brought to you by an author called Sergeant Darwin, and I highly suggest you follow their content if you enjoyed this piece. All of his content can be found on Reddit. Thank you again for joining us here in the nest. I wish you a beautiful day and a haunting night. Now, as we come to a close for our dearly beloved podcast, I present to you a new way to listen to the stories. I have created a YouTube channel for our podcast. It goes under the same name, the Crow's Nest Horror Podcast. If you wish to listen there rather than here on Spotify, it will be available on the same day I post my regular podcasts. You can also find details about the podcast on the Instagram under the name Ashlyn underscore sticks s-t-y-x. You can also submit stories, recommendations, and any other such related content to the email at thecrowsnestpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to join us again in the nest